Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Welcome back, everybody. Third hour underway on the Pete Callender program. I am former Congressman Jason Lewis, former WBT talk show host, syndicated host, you name it. It's always nice to be back in the Carolinas regardless. And it's always nice to open up the phone lines. We've got Stan and Brian and the rest of the calls at 704-570-1110. Let me tell you what's on, Doc. I do want to talk about Ukraine because you might think I've gone soft. So I want to hear it. And I want to talk about RFK Jr. and the assassination files. Why aren't they released? Uh, There's so much to talk about these days. In fact, it would be a talk show host dream to be doing this gig again. I just, I'm I'm quasi-retired. I've got a newsletter at Substack, jasonlewis.substack.com. I'm still still, uh, pitching my book, Party Animal, available in audio version now. Um, I'm, I'm doing those sorts of things, but I'm quasi-retired, and I do these fill-ins every now and then just to keep an iron in the fire. It's fun, but I got to say, if I were in it full-time, it would be like issue overload, right? There's no shortage of content these days when it comes to political discussion. So let's get right to it. 704-570-1110. Oh, by the way, coming up before I do, a guest coming up the rest of the week, Dr. John Lott. He's been one of our favorites over the years. He'll join us on the right to keep and bear arms. Nobody knows more about the Second Amendment and gun data than Dr. John Lott, author of More Guns, Less Crime. He will join us as well as Eric Bowling. Remember Eric from Fox News now? hosting his own show on Newsmax, doing very well. We'll talk with Eric coming up later in the week, too. So uh, the focus continues on the future of the republic, and no one is more interested in that than you or me. Let's go to Stan in Fort Mill. He's been waiting patiently. Stan, you're first up this hour. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm fine, Jason. How are you? I'm wonderful. I have like something I want to run by you. I'll talk to you before I'm, I'm doing a work project on the book. And I have like basically the part of the book now where I'm analyzing the 10 segments of the economy and how they would work if wealth were allocated on a moral basis. And I want to run a theory by you that it seems to be uh, something that I've realized is possibly happening. And that is that most goods and services in the country now are being distributed to us via a cartel model. Um, that, that it actually is enforced by the regulatory agencies. So, in essence, every group of services that we buy, whether it's like flights, uh, health care, like in Charlotte, I know we can get health care only from like Adrian and Novant. Um, if we want to fly, the hubs are split up so that all the big airlines have equal hubs, and all that is enforced by the regulatory agencies. Yeah. What do you think about that theory? No, I think you're on to something. This is what is what economists used to call regulatory capture. The danger of government regulation is if the businesses are powerful enough, soon they write the regulations to carve out a market for themselves, not to prevent other competitors or not to make certain other competitors have an equal shot. If you really want to get back at big business and you don't like big business in America, then embrace a free market. 
a totally free market because one thing that big business does not want to face, it's not regulators. They can control the regulators. Look at the Keating 5 episode. Remember that with the SNL crisis? Right. Um, they don't want competition. And so they get regulators to carve them out in markets. I mean, critics of the FDA will say that drug approval process, and I'm not saying this is true, but I'm just saying the critics say this, um, you know, carves out markets for big pharma and prevents others from coming in. And so I, I think what you're saying is, is what is really at the heart of this crony capitalism that Donald Trump and RFK and a, and a number of us decry. So, I, I and, and, you know, look, again, I don't want to beat up on just big pharma, but when you've got news organizations reporting on COVID, cable news networks reporting on COVID, and then they're sponsored by the pharmaceutical companies who are pushing the vaccine, where do you think their news program is going to go? Pro or anti-vaccine? Well, in one of the situations where you saw this play out is the market, if people were given a choice of privacy online and free speech not being censored, uh, um, Parler came out and tried to do that, and the big ones shut it down. And there was not a peep out of the government regarding antitrust violations. Well, that's right. I mean, and now look at big tech. Look, I mean, look at Google has what's their search engine market share? Ninety six percent. I mean, right. that's something only Rockefeller could have dreamt of. So, uh, if there ever were a case for antitrust law, uh, it would be with regard to big tech. Uh, but again, everybody on Capitol Hill is afraid of big tech. So I don't think you're you're far off. You're you're getting right over the target. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Love you, Jason. I love when you're here. Hey, thanks, Dan. Appreciate your call. Let's go to Brian in South Carolina. You're up next on WBT. Hey, Brian. Hey, uh, th- thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, the RFK Jr. book. I think it's extremely important that every American with half a brain reads the book. It's absolutely amazing. Before I talk about it a little further. Yeah. I've had some naysayers that I've had uh, or I've tried to have read the book. They say it's all BS because uh, RFK Jr. is the anti-vaxxer and he's mm-hmm. crazy and this, that, and the other. But two points that I've always made about it. One is that ask the person who doesn't think that book is correct and true. How many lawsuits has Anthony Fau- uh, Fauci filed against RFK Jr. over that book? Right. Guess what the answer is? Zero. Zero. And why is it zero? Because everything in that book is absolutely 100% true. The second well, uh, argument... Yeah, I what was the second one? At the end of every chapter, there are several pages of endnotes that uh, prove everything that was written in that chapter that you can research on your own and see it is absolutely true. Well, what's fascinating about it all is, and I was in the middle of a United States Senate campaign in Minnesota at the time, is that everything we critics said, and I was called a crackpot like everybody else, lockdowns don't work, the virus originated in a lab, masks are a joke, and people should have the option, especially the young and healthy, of not taking a vaccine. They shouldn't have it pushed on them. Every single one of those things that were crackpot in 2020 have proved out to be unassailably true. Absolutely. And so, and these are the, 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 the media, and quite frankly, Dr. Fauci and many others, were simply spinning the truth. I mean, that's a kind way to say it, right? Yeah, I um, wonder if it has anything to do with money. 
Well, that's a good question. Why, why do you think there was so much misinformation being spewed about? I just said it. Money. And yeah, power. I mean, they, they, they called ivermectin horse, horse medicine when it had been used for malaria and other things for years and years. They denigrated that. What, what's frustrating about it is literally every claim that the media enforcers did. And again, this goes back to the press. None of this would have been possible without a, a sort of a suppression of other viewpoints and a monolithic viewpoint. I mean, if you're a, if you're a person unlike yourself who doesn't dwell on this stuff and gets your information from the NBC Nightly News or pick your favorite newspaper, every single piece of information you were getting was essentially wrong. But it was done in uniformity. That is the real existential crisis in America right now. There is no free marketplace of idea, ideas anymore. Right. One of the chap- uh, chapters in uh, RFK Jr.'s book, The Real Anthony Fauci, was about the ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine cocktails that were working so very well. And the only reason uh, CNN and everybody else said, oh, that's uh, all crap, it doesn't work, it's garbage. Well, ivermectin got the Nobel Peace Prize back in, what was it, 2016? It's been mm-hmm. used for over 60 years. Billions of doses given. Uh, and they they came out and said it was dangerous, and you know three cents for a pill or whatever it is. Uh, RFK Jr. in his book has one chapter about how how well that worked, like I mentioned. Yep. And uh, it's just I just wish everyone would read the book. It's really fascinating. Well, if it weren't for Tony Lyons, it wouldn't have really been published. Scary too. Yeah. All right, more on that in a minute. First, let me tell you, the Heritage Life Skills event was fantastic. Every year, Bill and Jan Sturett organized the event to help people get educated on how to be prepared for anything. The Sturettes own Carolina Readiness Supply, 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials you'll need for any kind of emergency. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies, because being prepared is just smart. The Heritage Life Skills event brings educated and vendors from all over to help people do just that, I was honored to be able to be a small part of it. And whether you're an experienced prepper, have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? The Pete Callender Show. I'm Jason Lewis, former congressman, former WBT talk show host, and author of Party Animal, the truth about President Trump, power politics, and the partisan press. Filling in for Pete this week. A big week of guests, big week of calls. So let us continue with Eddie. He's in Rock Hill, I do believe. Eddie, how are things in Rock Hill these days? Yeah. Really, I used to listen to you years ago when you're on Charlotte every day. It was always a great show, so I'm glad to hear you today. Thank you, sir. And I also wanted to say, uh, I mean, I don't know how to, how, to, how to get to the point without hitting stuff along the way, but... You know, how Mark Zuckerberg can give $480 million to the Democratic Party is obviously, should be illegal, obviously. Uh, term limit should be uh, a mandatory for the uh, senators and congressmen. Uh, hey, wait, wait, wait. The- term limits? You mean you mean Mitch McConnell ought to step down? But not, not because he can't, not because of his age, but just because of, that, that every time they win an election, they just start taking money in for the next one, which means you should just take money for favors for whoever they get the money from. So, look, I agree a, with a you. Financial limit. 
I went to Congress a, a mild supporter of term limits and left a, a, a vigorous supporter of term limits. You're, you're exactly right. If your, first, if your first thought landing at Reagan Airport is, how do I stay here for the next 30 years? You've got a problem. And that's the first thought of a lot of young politicians. And the answer to that is easy. Just sell out to the biggest bidder and, and you're in. That, that's, and that's what's happening. But that wasn't the point they wanted to make. The point they wanted to make was the Democratic Party is actually three parties in one, the progressive communists and the socialists. And the reason why the progressives and the socialists get to put a T in front of their name, not a P or an S, is because if they put a T in front of their name and an S in front of their name, the Democratic Party wouldn't win anything, and neither the progressives and neither the socialists. The Republicans would win all day long because they'd fracture the voting base and split it up three different ways. Well, that's the argument behind eliminating Bernie Sanders and maybe RFK Jr., but certainly Bernie Sanders that and Ralph Nader. They were true dyed-in-the-wool socialists, and they would have uh, fragmented the party. But I will tell you, I disagree a little bit, uh, Eddie, and that's this. Okay. That 20, 30 years ago, I would have agree, agreed with your assessment. But now, I will tell you, the crux of the Democrat Party, at least we're, we're in Minnesota, but I think in Oregon and California, uh, you know, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, the crux of the Democratic Party is socialists. They are proud socialists. Rashida Tlaib, the squad, Ilan Omar, AOC, they are dyed-in-the-wool totalitarian socialists who think the more the better. They're not afraid of that label. They embrace it. And so does so do their supporters. So then why do they not have an S in front of their name instead of a D? That's my that's my point. Let's differentiate. Let's let's call a, a, a socialist a socialist, not a Democrat. Because most people see the D and they vote for it. They don't know what a socialist is. They don't know. They don't know anything about it. They just know that Trump's a bad guy and he hates black women, so he made fun of Tony Chitty, whatever her name is. You know? Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I think there's probably a grain of truth in what you say, but I can just tell you that socialism doesn't have the negative connotation it used to, not among young people. And it's scary. They think socialism is good. Of socialists. I, I, I just think that the market, the label is, is, the, is, the, is the lie. And that's the, it's, the, it's the shroud. Most people don't pay attention to that, to what it means. They just see a D. Or if they start S, maybe they'd be like, oh, I'm not going to vote for them. I'm going to vote for a D. But the Democratic Party would fracture their votes three ways if they did that. And that's why no one's even talking about it. That's why they're not even going to think about doing it. There has Eddie? to have the progressives with a D in front of their name. Interesting point, my friend. Thank you for checking in. South Carolina, here is, I'm sorry, yeah, South Carolina in Mint Hill, Russ. Hi, Jason. Um they're not the, the people in Washington are not afraid of big tech. They're in big tech's pocket, like the guy before me. It's all about the money and how much money can you give me to keep you where you are. Remember Jay Carney? He was the yeah. White House press press spokesman under Obama for a while. Oh yeah. Where did, where did he end up on Capitol Hill doing the lobbying for? I forget. And it was big tech. Yeah, I mean, like I said, they're not afraid of big tech. Well, no, they're in they're in bed with big tech. Yeah, true, but let me let me just clue you in, folks, on someone who went through this, uh, and I think half of what you're saying is right. But there's a, a, a subtle difference between being in bed with somebody and being afraid of them, without being too graphic. And that is this: the one of the reasons that we've got to get money out of politics as much as we can without violating the First Amendment is that when some of these super PACs 
have so much money, and it doesn't matter whether they come from big tech or other forms of big business, the Chamber of Commerce or the NRCC or the RN or, or, or the Senate Leadership Fund or Act Blue, that politicians are afraid of them. That if somebody says, look, I, I can't coordinate with the Democrats, but you're a Republican congressman in your first term, and we're going to drop $10 million in your district if you don't do what we say. Um, what do you think they're going to do? Oh, they're going to knuckle under because the uh, second job of a politician after being elected is to get reelected. And that's an argument for term limits to the point. But, but Boy. I, I'm just saying that they're not they're in bed with them by force. Yeah. And um we know what we call that in normal terms. <laughs> well, the problem there is is that there's I guess nobody in Washington then with a, enough of a spine to stand up to things and do what's right. It it very few. Um very few. I, look, I can't tell you how many times I represented a swing district. And I can't tell you how many advisors I had tell me and people from the outside, not just not my staff, but you don't want to get on the wrong side there. You don't want to get on the wrong side there. You better vote for this there. And it is very real. Anyway, that's it for this segment, but more calls coming up right after this. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. By the way, we had an interview with um, Devin Nunez yesterday. If you did not catch that, you can check it at WBT.com. I'm sure they've got it there, but also on my Substack page, jasonlewis.substack.com. Very, very fascinating interview with the former Intel chief on what the Devin Archer testimony actually meant yesterday and how it implicated Joe Biden. What I am fascinated about, though, is... um, is the the hot put the hot button issues that the the mainstream press would point to as conspiracy theories that are now quickly becoming mainstream and and I have a a quick and dirty theory on this and it seems counterintuitive if you will but it is this that for all of the degradations all of the downsides of what big tech and social media has done for the country, and there have been many, from addiction to all sorts of issues. I mean, we, we now know that the algorithms the algorithms that, that big tech has put in to all these platforms are, are very, very addicting to young people. Some critics say every, every, every bit as much as tobacco. And it is not healthy uh, during COVID for people who know better to tell to lock children up in their adolescence most vulnerable stages and put them on social media you you we don't we don't even do solitary confinement for death row inmates for crying out loud that long and 
for us to do that was not just a mistake in policy. It was unforgivable. And that's what Tim Walls in Minnesota did and Cooper and, and you know, Phil Murphy and Gavin Newsom. While they were violating all the protocols during COVID, they were locking young children down. And now we have a, a palpable anxiety crisis in young people today. Surprise, surprise, not to mention a learning deficiency. Um, it really is unforgivable what went down there. And social media was a part of that because we know that Meta was censoring accurate COVID information that would have broken these lockdowns, that young people aren't vulnerable. But that was censored by Andy Slavitt and the Biden administration and the powers that be. Having said all of that, which is not to diminish it, one of the good things about social media is try as they might to put up guardrails, or not even guardrails, to put up a wall against accurate information. It does find its way to people. So what used to be considered conspiracy, especially in the post-COVID era, is now finding an audience. And it's making the establishment very, very uncomfortable in Washington, D.C. and around the globe. Let's take a couple of perfect examples. UFOs. Why? And I'm as good example as anybody. I would have thought 20 years ago, you guys are crackpots. You know, all of these sightings are conspiracy theories for boring people. I'm not so certain now. Why else would the government be hiding the classified info? And some of it doesn't even need to be classified. You take a look at the JFK assassination. I, I did program after program. In my earlier talk radio days, Gerald Posner, who wrote the book Case Closed, was on my program repeatedly saying, look, Oswald was the guy. Oswald was the lone gunman. There's no case. Case closed. I'm not so sure anymore. I used to believe that as a young libertarian, oh, legalized drugs, or at least marijuana. I actually never was in favor of legalizing the harsher drugs, but I was fairly vocal on legalizing pot. I'm not so sure now. If you look at the haze over Denver, Colorado, where I spent some time, it has totally decimated that city. You got a bunch of zombies who can't keep employment on social media looking for their next joint. So it's made rethinking the Chinese lab theory, can you imagine without the Internet had you relied on NBC, CBS, and ABC for what was really the truth about China? They tried to suppress the truth, but it came out on just the news website. It came out on the Internet. So all of these so-called conspiracy theories now have legs. And that is really an interesting phenomenon. And we just talked to Tony Lyons about the JFK assassination records and why the government will not release those. That's a great question. Why won't they release those? Who's going to get embarrassed? I think I know who. I think it's the intelligence agencies who will be, become very embarrassed and their support will dwindle for, or further. And pretty soon, there'll be a, a very, very strong political movement towards abolishing the CIA, going back to a more fragmented intelligence services in each branch of government each branch of the services like the oss instead of this one big consolidated super spy agency that we now know is nothing but an arm for democrats and foreign involvement 
It's so fascinating what's going on right now. 704-570-1110. Back to the calls we go. Mark from Rock Hill. You're next up on um, on WBT with me, Jason Lewis, on the Pete Callender program. Hi, Jason. Hey, Mark. I I wanted to bring in the um, bring in the um, other thing with uh, Hillary Clinton's email. Yeah, I have the volume "Cyber Law: Law of the Internet," edited or written by jo- Jonathan Ro- Rosner, N O E R last name. Um, Hillary Clinton by redirecting a .gov domain um, email has committed multiple felonies. Mm-hmm. And um, case closed on that. Well, um, let's 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 go back and take that from the beginning. There are people, and I believe it to be true, who who say that Hillary knew she was in trouble. She absconded with a private email server with reams of classified info on it. <laughs> also, Anthony Weiner's stuff was apparently on there because her aide was communicating with her ex-husband over why he was such a perv. And when that was going to come out, when the Anthony Weiner emails were going to come out, it was going to implicate Hillary's aide and, and by indirection Hillary and what she had on private email servers. Uh, as you point out, classified info. Now, in those days, the Presidential Records Act, and she was never president, so it was really egregious, but the, the Presidential Records Act um, would exo- was, was considered, well, the last word, and presidents can do what they want. Now, again, she wasn't president, the Secretary of State, but they threw that out to go after Trump, and they, they didn't even use it or they, they they didn't invoke that to go after Hillary. And and so I guess what I'm saying is if they're going after Trump under the Presidential Records Act, when in fact he was certainly on firmer ground in doing what he wanted with his presidential papers, and Hillary wasn't even covered by it, so it was clearly a violation, but they didn't go after her, you start to see two tiers, two standards of justice, don't you? Yes. Yes. Um, I have yet to order uh, your book, uh, Party Animals, and that, and I was going to order one for myself and one as a gift. And if the recipient doesn't want it, it can always be taken to acquisitions of the university she works at. (laughs) Yeah. And um, well, I'll tell you what, you can order it at Barnes and Noble. Um, go online at Barnes and Noble. You can get it there, and if you get it, I'll sign it for you. In fact, speaking of that, Mark, and, and thank you for that. Go get Party Animal, and I'll sign it for you. But speaking of all of that, I, time, I wish when I get time. Yeah, when I get time to, to order it and uh, order it in the next thirty days, I I will certainly do that. We'll do it, Mark. Thank you so much. And trust me, folks, I would love to do a book signing in Charlotte, but the way the, the, the book industry is, you almost have to have someone to hold a private one at a restaurant or a coffee shop. But if anybody anybody has an idea, I'd be happy to, to come to Charlotte and sign a few books. You know, the last caller made a, a really good point on Hillary's emails. Let me uh, delve into that a little bit before we have to say goodbye today. Tomorrow, Dr. John Lott will join us. A little later in the week, Newsmax's Eric Bowling will stop by. So a uh, great group of guests we got coming forward. But I do make this point in Party Animal, my book, uh, to the last caller's point, And that is, there is a theory out there, and I think it's got, I think it's got some validation, that people say, Jason, what are you talking about? 
It was James Comey that reopened the Hillary investigation on the eve of the 16 election that gave it to Trump. So what are you talking about the swamp and Hillary's emails were covered up? Au contraire, my friends. We now know that that uh, the, the CIA and Brennan and company had briefed Obama and Biden on Hillary and the DNC and Perkins Coy and Fusion GPS creation of the fake dossier has a campaign to, quote, vilify, and this is from a letter from DNI Director Radcliffe, to vilify Donald Trump during the 2016 election by tying him to the Soviets or to the Russians, I should say. They knew of this plan. They told Obama and Biden about it in the White House. Now, if, if, if your intel officials are telling you, hey, your successor in your own party has got a, a has hatched a scheme to vilify Trump over a false connection. Well, how'd she do this? Well, she's got a Russian source. They then briefed Hillary and well, you know, maybe you better not do it or you ought to be aware of this instead of going after her. And there's a very strong theory out there that said these things were going to blow wide open once Anthony Weiner, remember this perv that was going after young girls, Hillary's aide was her, his uh, wife. Can't remember her last name now, but Amda, wasn't it? Anyway, this was going to blow up the, the whole Clinton email classified what was in the records and, and what was in uh, the emails. And it was classified info, and it may have been to cover up Clinton Foundation stuff. Who knows? Because we never found out. The FBI didn't go after that classified leak. Neither did the intel agencies. No one did. But once it was about to, to blow wide open on the eve of the election, there is a theory out there that James Comey reopened the investigation into the Hillary private email server with classified info on it for one reason and one reason only to keep it classified. If you are in the midst of an ongoing DOJ investigation, nothing can be leaked unless it's against a Republican. The media can't get their hands on it and you can control where it goes. But the Durham report has shown I'm not saying the Durham report came to that conclusion. I'm saying the Durham report has now shown that when, and in fact, and so so is the FEC, because the FEC sent a letter to the Hillary Clinton campaign that said you reported legal sir, you you reported the 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 Perkins Coy Fusion GPS creation of the fake dossier has legal services when in fact it was opposition research. And they find her campaign for misreporting that expenditure. So we know it was concocted. We know the whole Russian collusion story was fake. Fake news, right? But what we don't know is the rest of what was in those emails. What we don't know is what Hillary was really up to beyond that. And that is the conspiracy theory that some people believe to be absolutely true. And, and I, I think it's, I mean, was there Ukrainian information in there uh, on Burisma, on Hunter? Who knows what was in there? Was there Clinton Foundation information on how they were selling access for global cash? 
Um, nobody knows at this particular point, but that could be explained why James Comey did a, an about face and reopened the Hillary Clinton investigation to keep it under wraps as, a, as an investigation that can't be touched. All of these things no one would have known of had Donald Trump not won the election. Had Hillary Clinton won in 2016, you would not know of social media's coordination with the deep state to censor COVID information, to censor the Chinese lab origin story, to censor and shadow ban conservatives, Hunter's laptop, none of that would have come to light. Now, that doesn't give you pause right then and there as to what's going on inside the Beltway. I don't know what else would. And we're starting to see it unfold. And I hope the American people um, are paying attention. And, of course, if they're listening to this program, they no doubt are paying attention. So pay attention tomorrow when we will be back filling in for Pete one more time, actually for the rest of the week. Uh, And Dr. John Lott will stop by. We'll talk about all things Second Amendment with him. And take your calls tomorrow as well. So we'll see you then. Have a great evening. I'm Jason Lewis. You're on News Talk 1110-993-WBT.